Hi, I'm Sarius, and I'm a business development manager at NI. Um, my focus is on wireless communications. 5G is really complex. It's really hard. There's a lot of just difficult problems out there to solve. I'm Catherine Speglia, and this is Well Technically, the tech podcast where women do the explaining. Hi, Sarah. It's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Today, we'll be talking about drones and how they fit into our cellular networks, and more importantly, why we might want them on our cellular networks. But first, I've got to ask you that question I ask everyone, which is, what is an example of a time in which being a woman has empowered you? (laughs) So it's a tough one, and I'm not sure if it's necessarily empowerment or not, but being in tech, being a woman just you get noticed and it's all about what you do with that notoriety. Some people say, Oh, you know, it's so hard. You're the only woman in the room, but when you're the only woman in the room and you say something, people, people remember you, uh, you're automatically, you automatically stand out. You're automatically a little bit different. And the way I choose to view it is that's not a bad thing. I'm going to use that to my advantage and let that be kind of a platform to say impactful things and be remembered, even if it is just because I'm the only only woman there. I like that. I feel like that's a really good piece of advice just for women in general, which is like, look, you are outnumbered. You are going to stand out, but why not, like you said, use that as a platform to be noticed and to get your thoughts out there. So that's cool. Yeah. All right. So you and I spoke about a week ago about the platforms for advanced wireless research program. Can you just provide listeners with some background on the program and then tell us why NI's involvement, particularly as it relates to the program's AirPaw testbed, you know, what that is? Yeah. So this is a big program that's being run by the NSF, National Science Foundation, and they want to make sure that the U.S. is not falling behind when it comes to wireless communications. I think we've all kind of heard our lovely commander-in-chief out there on Twitter saying, like, oh, the U.S. has to be best at 5G. And, you know, there it's not necessarily a bad thing to have competition in other countries. I think it's great. It spawns innovation, and we get a lot more creative solutions. But uh, at the same time, it's important for the U.S. to still be a part of that game. And so the NSF does recognize that and wants to have uh, a presence. And so they put aside some money to start building up complex test beds. Uh, what we've seen in previous uh, generations versus with 5G, 5G is really complex. It's really hard. There's a lot of uh, just difficult problems out there to solve. And one of the best ways to kind of get out there and try things out is to do it in a real world environment. But if you go to someone like AT&T and Verizon and say like, hey, can I just borrow your network for a few hours to run this test? Not going to happen. So uh, so power is a goal to be able to set up something that is as much like a real network as possible. And there's different test beds that actually focus on different parts of the network and different um, little bit slightly different areas of research, but they're all designed to be these kind of complex real world um, wireless systems designed specifically for research. And so one of the other goals with power is to make them all open to the public so that way other researchers can log on and actually do research. So while one university or one city will be hosting the main testbed, it's meant to be more of an open platform to kind of enable and foster innovation um, within the entire wireless ecosystem. 
And so now AirPaw that you mentioned, it's it's one of a few test beds. Um, and this one in particular is focused on looking at uh, how different aerial scenarios can play in with wireless comms. And if we think about like a 4G network today, there's maybe a few devices that are, um, you know, doing things in the air. Some of us on our cell phones when you're in the airplane, we shouldn't be. Uh, but for the most part, cellular today is your handset and the base station. And 5G is looking to change that. So what AirPaw is looking at is saying like, okay, if we're going to have other devices than just cell phones, let's focus on aerial devices and look at the number of different scenarios in which those could be connected to a network. Um, is it something that's, you know, maybe moving on the ground like a car? Is it something that's moving in the ground like a, uh, or um, in the sky like a drone? Is it something higher up than that? Uh, we hear there's different projects out there uh, like by Facebook and by Google about putting um, UAVs in, uh, up in the air to fly around and offer cellular coverage in the time of a disaster. Like that's, 5G is also looking to scenarios like that and expanding that. So AirPod creates a really cool test bed where now you can introduce things like drones into a wireless network and see how it's gonna act. Is NI is involved in the software defined radio aspect of this, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So thinking about building up these test beds, like the power test beds, um, it's important to have a way to, for users to define different personalities of the test bed and the devices in the test bed itself. So there are advantages to using commercial products, like getting a commercial base station, but there's also advantages of having something built up in software to where you know, maybe you're trying out some new aspect of technology that's not built into a commercial product yet. So you need flexible tools. And one that we've really seen come and kind of be used in almost every uh, every situation possible is, is this rise of software-defined radio. We've seen FPGA technology get cheaper and RF ASICs get cheaper as well and smaller. And so it's allowed software-defined radio to become this really uh, prevalent technology in making test beds and prototypes. Uh, and it's also um, a big business for NI. Uh, we acquired a company called Edis Research back in 2010 who make one of the highest selling uh, software-defined radio products in the world uh, called the USRP. And so we have our USRPs in all of the power test beds uh, acting as the software-defined radio that kind of enable people to um, program up these different communications devices and then make changes on the fly as needed when they're evaluating their technology. Very cool. And yeah, let's talk a little bit more about 5G and how 5G will enhance drone application. Yeah. So one of the cool things about 5G is that it actually has a latency specification. No other standard for cellular communications has latency built into it. And why is this important? Uh, I think the example that most people can relate to is playing video games uh, and you'll see like your, your ping and your latency and then you'll hit the button on your keyboard and then your character will stand there for a while and then they'll move. And in a video game, it's annoying, but it's okay. Like no one gets hurt. But if you're flying a drone and you're flying it and it's moving along towards a building and you need to avoid something quickly and you move the joystick and the drone doesn't move, then it crashes and, you know, 
things get broken, people get hurt, it's not good. So 5G having this latency spec actually allows some really cool applications like potentially being able to fly drones and having the communications be over a 5G network instead of relying on like line of sight to some sort of remote control. So it allows us to do things over a lot longer distance. And how do we make sure these drones don't interfere with everything else going on on a cellular network, right? Like making a phone call. Uh, I think that's one of the key areas of research, right? Um, And that's one of the things that we have to figure out. So there are standards bodies. So 3GPP has, you know, they're they're working on the new radio standard. And there are uh, specific areas of the standard that call out, like, how are these different communications done? Um, And, like, there's a non-terrestrial network flavor of it and just different devices. So all of that is being handled in the standard to some extent. But there's also still a lot, too, that's kind of left up to various different nuance of the actual um, service provider and the actual device that's being connected. So there's a standards aspect of it, but there's still also an aspect of like, hey, we need to try this out before we do some mass deployment and, and really get ourselves into trouble. What are some applications or industries you think would benefit the most from incorporating drones into cellular networks? Yeah, so there's a couple and that I like, there could be a lot of different areas, but I typically fall back on on two key ones. The first one would be public safety. Uh, the idea that you could use a drone to evaluate a scenario, or even talking about like, if you don't want to think about a drone, you could also think about a robot, to evaluate a dangerous scenario before sending in humans. It's, it's really intriguing and really critical. And I mean, we can even think now with all of the recent fires that have happened on the West Coast, like, if we could have used drones to go in and get up really close, scope things out, maybe test and see how patterns were moving, we could have gained extra intelligence on how fires were moving and, and maybe been able to act differently to prevent them. Or just even if it's in a building, you know, having that extra ability to know where the fire is, if there's people inside, uh, it's a great case there. And then another one with more of the robots that I've heard is um, to kind of de-escalate dangerous situations, maybe be able to send in a robot to disarm a bomb. And so then you're now, you know, your your SWAT team is outside in the safety of the fan and they're communicating with a robot. And so it has a real potential to save human lives. Uh, and then another area of it would also be kind of in thinking about security again, but thinking about security of other things that are flying. Uh, you have a lot of kind of bad actors out there or even just um, like hackers or someone that wants to screw with people, but you could go and think about, you know, jamming radar systems and having drones be a way that's like a mobile way to go out and do prevention of that or uh, de-escalating situations there. Um, even heard of people in like military defense looking at like, can you use a drone to go in and actually overtake enemies, uh, radar and communication systems, and then kind of put it into, instead of autopilot or, or the pilot on the plane, put the control into the drone and then actually reroute aircraft. So there's some really crazy uh, high-tech <laughs> ways to think about how drones could be used for large different applications of public safety. My last question is pretty different, but I found an article you wrote last year called Should We Even Be Talking About 6G, in which you discuss the validity of getting hyped about 6G while 5G is still in the early stages of development and adoption. You push back a bit on this trend, saying there's so much left to do in 5G. However, you also acknowledge that there are some research topics that fall outside of the scope of 5G and should, this is quoted, should be considered 6G. 
just because I'm curious, what are some of those topics and when do you think it makes sense to begin seriously discussing or getting excited about 6G? Yeah, uh, of, of all of the pieces I've written, I think this one's aged, like it's aged extremely well because I still agree with everything I wrote. And even though that was something that I put out last year, looking at the ecosystem today, it's just as true. The marketing is big and it's powerful. And especially for all of these cell phone companies, like, I don't know about you, but anytime I turn on the TV or just even streaming, like streaming a TV show, all of my ads are from AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile talking about their 5G network, right? So these companies put a lot of money behind it and want people to get hyped up. And so we're already seeing this push for 5G getting hyped. And in the research community, it's the same thing. They're like, oh, what's the next big thing that we can focus on? Um, and I think focusing on 6G would would be a mistake. We, with 5G, we're just seeing release 16 get rolled out. Um, we have had a delay because of COVID. It's it's affected the entire world, and you know, mobile uh, communications is, is not outside of that. So the standard was actually delayed. Rolling out 5G has been delayed. Millimeter wave technology is delayed. So there's all of these delays. But it's also been, in my opinion, it's been a good thing because it gives us a little bit of extra time to clean up some of our technical debt. We've pushed 5G out so quickly to meet this kind of market demand for more bandwidth and faster networks and supporting more devices that, you know, we just we just kind of did it. And there's a, a lot of stuff that needs to still be worked out. Um, and I think the research community, too, is catching on to this. And so I'm starting to see, like, grants and proposals for something called Beyond 5G or B5G is where it's showing up. And it's saying, and that's really an area that's focused on building up verticals using the 5G technology. And so you get these verticals like doing things like drones, um, vehicle to vehicle communication, and millimeter wave even is still a huge one where there's a lot of research that still needs to be done in beam management and how are we going to actually, you know, track users doing using phased or antennas. So the research community is kind of starting to get behind this and pushing away from 6G a little bit, but they have rebranded it as beyond 5G as a way to get people excited. Um, now, as far as 6G, so we can start thinking, like, we kind of know what's going to be in 5G and some of these technologies for this beyond 5G, but there are things that are really future-looking and thought-provoking ideas that I would still consider candidates that would be, you know, they're just, they're too far out there. So there are candidates for 6G. Um, and the, the biggest one in my mind where I do see traction and research interest is in using sub-terahertz and terahertz frequency bands for communication. Um, and once you start getting into these higher frequency bands, like hundreds of gigahertz or all the way up to one terahertz, you start being able to play with different properties of the waves, waves themselves. And so like one of the areas where people are exposed to this technology every day is airport scanners. We all go through the little ones where you have to stick your arms up and they scan your body. Those are using, um, you know, you can get technical about it, but they're, they're using kind of those sub terahertz frequencies. And so just waves at that frequency have different properties. And so one of the ideas is thinking like, how do we use that to combine sensing with communications? Or maybe it does just turn into more sensing. And then also, like, are there interesting things that we can do with communications protocols themselves at those higher technologies? Um, and once you get into this research, it also gets into a whole lot of other things of like exploring new types of substrates and ways to manufacture 
electronics that can operate at those frequencies. So there's this whole like wide breadth of research that's happening, looking into sub-terahertz and terahertz technology. And that is one where I will squarely put it in, in 60 or maybe even beyond. I appreciate getting more of a, a researcher's perspective on some of this because I talk about 5G a lot to a lot of different people, but often it's from you know, vendors and, and carriers who, of course, are, are well-versed in this and have a lot of interest, interesting things to say, but it's nice getting insight into the research community mm-hmm. and what their thoughts are about 5G and 6G and the trajectory of all this and almost that the slowdown caused by COVID was a good thing. Obviously not, <laughs> not widespread a good thing, but you know, most people, I speak, lines, right? <laughs> right. Most people I speak to do not think, uh, <laughs> the delays were good. So it's interesting to hear your perspective of, no, I think we needed to kind of take a step back and, you know, reevaluate. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but you know, Sarah, thank you so much for speaking yeah. to me today. Yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. Well, Technically is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. Today's show was produced and edited by me, Catherine Speglia.